Welcome to Between Two Trains. My name is Theo, and twice a month we bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. As always, your host is Van Pappas of Oxygen Financial, and this week we have a special guest host, Mr. David Carter. And now, Between Two Trains. Okay, welcome back to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast. We have, once again, uh, here at the 3411 Coworking uh, Studios. What a beautiful place. We're so happy that they've hosted us again. And back by popular demand, the ever-wonderful Mr. David Carter is co-hosting with me. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So, David, we actually did have a demand for you to come back. I've got right here an email that says, uh, can you please bring that sexy sounding co-host? My wife sent you that. Yes, that was from your wife. (laughs) So, one of the great things about having you on the show, David, is you wear a bunch of hats, and one of the hats that you wear is as chairman of the Shambly Downtown Development Authority. I wanted to talk a second about all the great development that the DDA has helped sponsor and promote, because you know, Shambly is really, we've heard every entrepreneur that comes on here in the show talk about how hot Shambly is. So, right. you know, as a finance guy... One of the things that I um, always say is, show me the money. So tell us a little bit about what has caused this, and and from a money standpoint, where what are we looking at? How has this benefited us? It's almost more than we had ever dreamed. Um, the first deal that we ever did was with the Olmstead. You remember that was a farmer's market, and then it was a vacant lot producing, what, a couple thousand dollars of tax revenue? I think before the construction, there was less than $4,000 in city taxes. Something very, very minimal. Uh, we've just found out that uh, they are selling the Olmstead for $83,000. $83,000? million, sorry. $83 million. <laughs> I'll take that at $83,000. 83000 What a bargain. Um, they built it for... They estimated forty-three. They built it for fifty-two, and now they're selling it for uh, eighty-three. It's an amazing increase in the value of Shambly. You put that right next to Trackside. You take into account that Whole Foods was just sold last year for sixty-three million dollars, one of the biggest sales in the Atlanta market. The tax base for Shambly is growing more than we ever could have expected, and that's going to be good for providing more city services to the residents. Uh, and for ensuring growth for years and years to come. What I'm impressed with the Olmstead is that not only from a valuation standpoint, um, it's pretty impressive. And I think, it, like you said, it will help us in years to come. But they've also won, apparently, a lot of awards for that development. The Urban Land Institute gave them an Excellence in Housing Development Award uh, and I think they also won a couple of design awards. And frankly, you know, what I like the best about it is that great sign on the top of it that, 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 that shouts to the world, uh, we are Shambly. It specifically literally says Shambly. Yes. <laughs> it's the most Shambly thing you'll ever see. Besides, besides, obviously, the money side, you know, Shambly has gotten hot and, and has won some awards of its own, you know, being ranked, uh, you know, some curb uh, awards that, uh, you know, that 
publication Curb. And then I think we were ranked fourth hottest in all of Atlanta for areas uh, only being beaten by someplace called Westview. I have no idea where Westview is. Uh, Peachtree Heights, which, yeah, I could see that. And Edgewood, which surprises me that Edgewood, you know, was number one. So, you know, thank you for, you know, all that you've done at the DDA, making this as the leader and the chairman to, to really put Chambly on the map. So it's taken all of us. It's taken a, a city council uh, and mayoral leadership that has the vision to push these things forward. It's taken a lot of your work, too, Dan, on the DDA to make these things go forward. Um, it's amazing to watch it happen. And it's very rewarding to see everything coming out of the ground these days. Well, let's bring on our uh, entrepreneur for this week. Uh, we have with us Lisa Levison. Did I say that right? Levison. Levison. I'm going to get it right before the 30 minutes is over. Um, and Lisa is uh, an entrepreneur that comes to us. Um, I believe Lisa's our first entrepreneur that actually is not located in the city of Shamley, correct? You're not here. That is true. Yeah. But Shamley is a huge part of why I'm where I am now. Okay, explain why. Okay. Um, a lot of the funding that I have been able to use to do what I've done came from flipping five houses in Shambly. Okay. Um, at the time, right when the market was changing in Shambly, I had an office on Claremont. I purchased homes in Ashford Park and right behind um, the office off of Claremont and flipped those before the market took a dive. And so the profit was very good for me. I call it my mayonnaise jars. Um, I left that money. I invested that money back into the business. And that's how I got to where I am today. That was basically my funding. I like that. I like that. So you're not doing house flipping anymore. No, not. So tell us exactly exactly what your business is. Um, What I do, uh, my background is environmental design and uh, indoor environments. So I really kind of come into unique environments and figure out why they're unique, what they need, what the requirements are going to be. A lot of times when you get into a unique environment, let's just use the Georgia Aquarium for an example. You've got a facility that has, um, you know, an ocean inside. It's got plants. It's got animals. It's got fish. uh, You name it, it's got it, and it's enclosed. Well, that's different. That's unique. So the products you would use to clean and maintain a facility like that are very different than something that a janitorial company would know how to come in and, and use. So they put all this stuff inside an environment, they have dolphins in there, and then, you know, they come to realize, wait a minute, we can't use something like Windex because that would kill the dolphins. So what I did years ago is I wanted to come up with a way to create a standard operating procedure for unique environments, but because there were really no products in the marketplace that fit into these unique environments, I started... Uh, developing my own products. So uh, if I could do it for an environment, if I could do it and help dolphins and whales and plants and, you know, these huge environments, why couldn't I bring that to the human side and create a way for us to, as humans, have a healthier environment and be able to go out and run into pollution, run into, um, you know, wind and, and sun and anything that you run into in everyday living and not have the protection that you need. So what we developed is a barrier. Our technology 
is basically a barrier that stays on the skin, which is your environment, if you will. And instead of depleting your body, we're feeding your body with essential oils, minerals, nutrients, even mineral water. And so your body is getting healthier every day, and it is able to fight against any kind of uh, environmental exposures that it's going to run into, because we know we're going to run into these. So why not have your environment, which is your body, at the healthiest state it can be, so that when you run into these things, you're prepared. Your body and Mother Nature actually gave us the first line of defense. It's called an acid mantle. We don't talk about it anymore because basically from the moment you're born to the day you die, you're constantly depleting this thing that Mother Nature gave us, which is a barrier of protection. So our products help that environment stay healthy. And again, if the body is the environment, we're giving you the essential nutrients that your environment needs to produce its own layers of defense. And so it's we're feeding that environment with the things that it needs so that it in turn can protect you against what you're going to run into, which we all know we're going to run into environmental exposures. That's pretty interesting. So that sounds, uh, uh, do you have uh, some kind of background in science or uh, biology? I mean, how, did, how in the world did you come up with this idea? If I could come up with a way to keep rust and corrosion um, in an environment that has salt water, that is literally an environment that's enclosed with salt water, then I thought, why can't I do the same thing for the body? If I can create a barrier that gives that protection, and this is something that lasts, this is something that's not going to hurt that, you know, that exposure, that surface, why can't I do that for the skin? So my background is trial and error from figuring it out in complex environments. But if you break down the body, basically the body is is an environment that needs protection. And you can't just keep slapping something on. You've got to get your body at the highest level it can perform at so that that barrier is being produced within and keeping the outside of your skin, giving you that first line of defense, giving you that ability to go into any situation. So... It so was now, is, this, is this produced right here in Atlanta, or where do you produce this? I produce it in um, Chattanooga, okay. and along the way, um, I uh, partnered with a chemist. So when I came to him, the first product that I had was called um, an invisible glove. I thought it was great. It was you put it on, and I mean you could feel it. Like it basically, you felt like you had this glove on. Um, it wasn't that, that sexy. That sounds familiar. How long ago was that? This was in 09, and it was out there. And I was, I was going to say, did yeah. you have like a – I feel yeah. like I saw like a commercial for yes. the Invisible Glove. Yes, and that was me. Okay. Um, along the way, I was asked to speak at the Joint Commission. There were some issues with hand health, and I was just so proud to go in with this, you know, Invisible Glove. I thought I had the answer, the end-all, be-all to everything. And so I went to the Joint Commission. I was the last person to speak. It was uh, an entire day of hospital after hospital after hospital standing up and saying the protocols are killing us. You know, we're just asked to continue to wash, to continue to put alcohol on. And this is not helping. Yes, we're meeting protocol. We're killing the germs, but we're killing our skin. And if our skin is not healthy, we don't want to do the protocols because it hurts. And so I stood up and said, I came here to talk to you about my invisible glove. But I think we need to talk about remediation because if we can't get that skin healthy then it doesn't matter what the protocols are asking for. So did you start off essentially mixing this up in your sink at home? Yes. And graduate to a much more 
yes. more bust. Absolutely. Really. And then I met the chemist who said, uh, we need to get this a little sexier. <laughs> he, goes, it's, he goes, I like your technology. I like what you've done. And he goes, really, I can tell you came from an you know, inside environment, like working you know, in, with structures and in buildings. He said, I could tell this. He goes, but you know, his background was cosmetics and um, just you know, more for personal care. And he said, this is great, and it'll, it will work, and it'll do what you want, which is protect the skin. But if you now want to get into remediating and you've got this great barrier, let's infuse this barrier with some things. So that's how it evolved to the barrier being able to hold the essential oils, vitamins, and nutrients that then are delivered into the skin. So from the outside, the barrier protects any exposure. But on the inside, and what you felt when I put it on your hands, on the inside, what's happening is for eight to 10 hours, your body is being delivered vitamins, nutrients, minerals, all the things that you don't normally get. And if you do apply, do not last and stay on the skin long enough to do the, the real uh, remediation work. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to take in. Yes. So it was called Invisible Glove, but it, you've changed the name. Right? What do we yes. call it now? Well, um, Invisobond uh -huh. is the name that I gave the technology because that's where it started. That was the Invisible Glove. So that is my proprietary technology. But the name Dermaglove, I just thought I love the name. I couldn't believe it was available. And I grabbed it. And Dermaglove has been, you know, the name when I think of the product and I think of what we're doing and what the product does, really in my heart, it's Derma Glove because it is a glove that is designed for the skin, for the entire body. And in that glove, you get what you need to be safe, clean, and healthy. I'm looking at a sample and you've got a tube here for hand recovery, a tube for body mist, and a tube for bug repellent. Um, and so how long have these three been on the market? The original concept started in 2009. Uh, about five years ago, once we had perfected the technology and realized that, yes, this is great for hands, but why are we just focused on hands when we could put basically a bottle in a shower? That's the body mist that you discussed. So basically, that is a head-to-toe, safe for your hair, safe for your face, safe for your, um, you know, underneath your skin, won't hurt your clothes. But you basically apply that head to toe when you want to have a hygiene or a refreshment of your skin from head to toe. And then what's happening is after you apply, you go about your day, but now your entire body's getting those nutrients that we just discussed. So as a financial planner, one of the things I always like talking to entrepreneurs about, especially now, so you, you've got a little bit of track record. You're not just out of the gate. You, we've got almost 10 years now uh, of doing this. Think back to the beginning when you started this, you talked about flipping the houses and that's what helped you. So did you 100% finance this endeavor just from that? Or did you have to go out and get any financing from a bank or anywhere else? No. Um, I've never borrowed money to get to where I want to go. I have, um, when I was flipping the houses, I remember I went to my dad and said, you know, I want you to come look at this property. Uh, first and foremost, don't tell me you hate it because it is, uh, it's already purchased. And <laughs> <laughs> I bought it. Why don't you come look at it? Yeah. And he said, oh my Lord, what have you done? This is just, I mean, I just don't know what we're going to do here. And that's how it started. But I will tell you, 
with my dad's help, um, we were able to turn these houses around. Structurally, uh, we didn't just put Band-Aids on things. You know, with my background, with his engineering background, this is a man that can fix anything. He can look at it, level it. You know, we call him shim and bin um, because nothing is not going to be level. But we took these old, and you know the houses in Shambly. Some of them were a little, you know, in bad shape. Um, but we went in and we fixed them the right way. And we brought in the things that I felt like the market was going to be uh, calling for, like granite countertops, you know, finding these floors, refixing, the, you know, refinishing these floors, making them beautiful. So I put the money into it with my father's help. But when I sold the houses, I was able to pay him back every penny he gave me and then take the profit and use that to build my business. So that's been my, uh, my funding, if you will. And how exactly do you sell this? Um, you know, I haven't seen this in Walmart. So where, where do you buy this product at? Um, well, let me tell you, you haven't seen it in Walmart and CVS and places like that because Early on, I realized that if I went that route, um, they were going to tell me what the price was. And I wasn't, you know, I had put so much time and energy and I knew what we had. I wasn't ready to dummy it down um, to get to a price point where people would buy it, not understanding what they were buying. And if you go into the big, you know, uh, brick and mortar, they have a price point. They want to get it on the shelf to get it off the shelf. But in doing that, there was no education as to what these products were. So they were just looking at a price point where, you know, someone in a shopping cart with three kids would pick it up, go, oh, you know, I'll check it out because it's not that expensive. Mm -hmm. So we opted not to do that. Instead, what we did is we went after contracts. um, We got it online and we got it through into Amazon. And we focused on pretty much e-commerce. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, since you mentioned about dumbing it down and educating. So do you have to do a fair amount of that with your clientele is educating them on exactly what this product is and how to use it? Well, that's a great question. And fortunately for me, um, where I was 10 years ago, everyone else is catching up. So everything that I thought 10 years ago, which people kind of rolled their head, their eyes in their head and said, I don't really understand acid mantle worrying about the environment, getting your body healthy. What can I just put some you know, alcohol on? Um, I knew that that wasn't going to be the answer, but now everyone else is caught up. So people are starting to understand we've got to take care of our bodies. We only get the skin is the largest organ we have and you only get one. And if you don't take care of that skin from the beginning to the end, you are going to have issues. And so now people are starting to realize that I have to do not just take vitamins and orally, but I've got to also take vitamins from the outside in. I've got to focus on what this layer of protection, it how healthy it is and how long it can protect me. If I want to live to 80, 90 years old, I'm hoping my skin can hang in there and stay with me. So what's the next product? We've got these three. What What's next on the plate? Are, are we satisfied where we're at? Oh, or are we, no. We got something else. Oh, no. So we started with personal care and hygiene because, like I said, when I spoke with the Joint Commission, um, I realized quickly that the nurses were – being put in a situation where they were having to follow protocols. Those protocols in turn were really destroying and depleting their hands and their hand health. So we focused first there, but we realized that our technology could go into anything from a full body uh, mist, shower and bottle, which is what we call it, to a bug repellent. Anything you could apply on the skin, our technology could go with that. But because the technology is so good and it gives such good returns and you see the results, 
we thought, let's take it to a higher level. And so now what we're focusing on is high-end skincare. So that would be serums, that would be lotions um, and uh, elixirs for the face and body, but focusing more now on the face, which uh, cosmetics have a high price tag anyway. People, a lot of times, people think if it costs more, it's you know a better product. Not necessarily true. We're not following that. But we're giving you the same ingredients that you would see in a $60 bottle of face cream for you know $19.99 to $24. Same ingredients. And again, because of our technology, that's going to stay on the skin. It's going to treat the skin for a long Uh, for hours after you apply it, and so you're going to start to see those results. Now, you've mentioned the technology a few times, but what exactly is the? Can you tell us what the technology is in a way that doesn't give away the secrets? As a Atlanta girl, you know, I've always followed Coca-Cola, and that was one of my clients along the way. Um, I went with a trade secret, and I'll tell you why I went with a trade secret. I realized that if I did the patent, which we did apply early on Mm -hmm. for a patent, I felt like we were giving all the information up. And when I talked to a couple of attorneys, they said, you know, a patent's a way to go because if someone buys you, they're going to want that patent because now you've got something that's worth something. But when I realized that in seven years, everyone could see what was in that patent, I thought, well, that gives that puts me on a timeline. What if I'm not ready in seven years to sell? So I kind of stepped back from that and went in a different direction. And I liked the whole idea that Coke came up with years and years ago that still to this day stands. So I went with the trade secret. So my proprietary technology is a trade secret. Well, well we you. have to uh, we have to break to hear from our sponsors for a second. Um, but we will be right back, and when we come back, we're going to play a fun game called Hot or Not. So stay tuned. If you recently got divorced, you may be wondering how to pick up all of the financial pieces. Is it time to make a new budget, new goals, and get a new game plan with your investments? What about the best way to save money on your taxes? Take control of your money future. Go to OxygenFinancial.net to schedule a complimentary meeting today. Go to OxygenFinancial.net to get started right now. Securities offered through Kestrin Investment Services, member of FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Kestrin Advisory Services, an affiliate of Kestrin Investment Services. Oxygen is not affiliated with Kestrin. Looking for an affordable, functional, and creative space to work? Check out 3411 Coworking in downtown Chambly. They have flexible month-to-month office space options that include fiber internet, meeting rooms, printing, coffee, snacks, and networking events. 3411 Coworking is the perfect place for entrepreneurs, remote workers, and small business owners looking for a one-stop shop for your professional needs. Stop by for a tour Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and see how 3411 Coworking can work for you. Okay, welcome back to Between Two Trains. You can hear us on all kinds of platforms. Just check us out on our website at betweentwotrains.com or if you're driving in your car, uh, pop in your favorite uh, podcasting app, uh, Stitcher or uh, SoundCloud or any of the great podcasting apps you can find us on. A great way to hear about entrepreneurs in the area and maybe you'll pick something up when you start your own uh, business. So. We are here with um, Lisa and David, and David, we uh, you want to start us off on our higher not section of the podcast? I do. I have an easy question for you. I know we've been talking about uh, bug spray, so uh, Atlanta mosquitoes, yes. hot or not? <laughs> hot. <laughs> they are? They're hot because it's 
Well, everyone is aware of the dangers. It's a hot topic. So it's a hot topic, and uh, yeah, those mosquito bites can make you hot. Yep. So yeah, I think it's just hot all the way around. Um, but the bug spray, I'm glad you brought that up. Bug spray has uh, something that's concerned me. And if you've been listening, you know, my background is all about taking care of the body and what you put in the body and on the body and what that does to, you know, the body's barrier. Um, I have a real issue with DEET. However, I do understand that some people want to use it and that it is in some cases, like with the military, a necessity. Our bug spray is different in the sense that it's all natural, but because of the barrier I've been explaining, you could then put DEET over the top of it. So you would have a barrier between your skin and the DEET. You would still get the effects of the DEET, but that barrier would be taking care of your body. And this is something we introduced to the military because the military has so many issues with secondary skin issues from the chemicals that they have to use. Sometimes they can get to the shower. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes they're in the gear or the uniform for hours on end, and that will cause some you know, different uh, skin irritation. Well, think about if you had DEET on that, you couldn't get to a shower, and now you, you've got some irritation on the skin. It's going to get worse and worse. So we want to give you that barrier so that your body's getting what it needs, the mosquitoes are getting what they need. Gotcha. Do you have a contract with the military? We just uh, secured a contract. Uh, it is a this price. This is brand new stuff. This is hot off the press. You heard it right here on Between Two Trains. <laughs> Lisa's got a contract with. I love announcing first-time stuff. That's awesome. Well, congratulations Thank on getting you. that contract. Thank you. So I'm going to throw up uh, one for you, um, and that has to do with having family members participate in your business. Are there any family members? Is that a hot or not thing? Should an entrepreneur let a family member in? Well, I will say this. Had my father not, um, you know, maybe felt sorry for me after that first house I bought in Shamley (laughs) and not stuck with me, um, you know, I probably wouldn't be here today. And then he did it, you know, five, six more times. Um, Does he help you with this company? uh, No, but as far as my company, he helped me with those investments and flipping. That was good because that's his expertise and I was really leaning on him. Um, But I would never have my father come in and I would not share this business with any family member. So this is 100% you. Yes. No family members, no equity partners, right? No. 100% you. Yes. All right. And we already know that you said that you didn't have to borrow any money. So sticking with the finance theme, another hot or not that I like asking people is, would you share your, you have employees, right? Yes. How many employees do you have? We have, when we're on contract, when we're in the buildings doing the work, we have up to 20. But that's only if we're on contracts. If we're not on contracts, it's a very small Now those are our contract workers so they they don't they're not w2 employees for no, you no they're 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 employees they are employees yes okay. but i only have them on we only up our employee payroll if you will um, when we're on contract okay and and because the contracts that i have are very specialized um, for the kind of work we're doing those employees will come back so if i'm off contract they go and do something else if I'm on contract, I can call them, text them, and they're like, we're, you know, we're there. We're back in. That's uh, pretty convenient. Yeah, so you're not How- just selling products. You're doing services as well. Yeah. So I missed that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, like I said, one of the bigger customers of mine is the Georgia Aquarium. Well, this is like the, it's not janitorial services, but it's cleaning 
using your specialized products. Yes, they call it high cleaning, but basically it's what the janitorial staff can't do because they're not equipped or trained to go up 100 feet. So we wear rigging gear or we go up in lifts Wow! and we use our products, which again, I don't sell them the products. They um, get these products because they buy into the program that I'm offering. So we supply the products, the tools, and the expertise to get the job done. So we go in literally and clean from, you know, eight feet up all the way through the entire building. And we're also putting that coating, which is the same Invisibon that I'm that Are you actually in a harness up 20 feet up? Of course. You've done that. Of course. Oh, guys. now you've really impressed me. <laughs> I yes. love it. Yes, you can look on my on Instagram. I have a shot. Oh, yeah. Hanging, hanging yeah. from the. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have an Instagram. It's the Queen of Clean, and it's A uh, for Aqua Green Clean, which is our program at the aquarium. It's uh, A G. C dot queen of clean and you'll that's our Instagram and you'll see pictures of me with my work boots with my harness with you know all kinds of stuff that <laughs> well anyways where the hot or not is going because we yeah. got a little sidetracked was since you have employees the hot or not is would you share your financials with your employees is that hot or not Sharing financials with employees, and you got an employee sitting here next to you. Well, that's a two-part question. Looking. Yes, wait, no, I haven't. Well, they, they can tell you. No, I don't share everything because I don't think I need to. Uh, they weren't there when I was, you know, pulling my last two pennies together to make, you know, to purchase something so that I could flip it. So, no, I don't share everything. Um, but in the office, and again, we've got there's about five of us, and we work closely together. There. We literally work in a room two times bigger than this all together. So there are no secrets. We all know what's going on Um, in that perspective. Yes, I think that you cannot keep your employees in the dark. If you're going after something, especially with what we're trying to do, we're trying to hit new ground. We are trying to make the impossible possible. And if I was not truthful for them with them, I don't think they would be there for me. And it's very similar to to the employees that I say, well, I call back. They know when they're on contract, they're going to get paid better than any other um, contractor out there. They know that I take care of them, but they also know how hard it is to get those contracts and that if we don't deliver, we'll be replaced. So my expectations of what I expect for them are high. I pay them well, but I have to share with them, look, you know, if we're not on contract, you got to go find something else so that we can all stay afloat and keep doing what we're doing. So I think I'm pretty honest and open, but there, yes, of course, there's some. It is a, it is a tough topic, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, I understand, you know, how much do I share with the employees? A lot of studies recently have shown that the more information the employees have, the more committed they are to your company and, and the more they feel connected to it. But you're right, maybe not the bottom line, right. but maybe some sales uh, figures just right. to pump them up. Right. So. right. David? The next hot or not, business planning. I know this, your business Ooh. sort of sprung organically. It seemed like you had the opportunity to flip a few houses, take that money, put it into a new business. At what point did you start doing business plans? I've been doing, you? oh no, I've been doing business plans in my head forever. Um, once I have an idea of something that I want to do, I stick to it like a 
bulldog on a bone. I mean, I'm like stuck to that idea. I'm going to see it through. I'm going to almost to a fault. Um, but I call that planning. And a lot of times I'll, you know, spell it out. I'll put an outline together. I know I got to get this done to get to this, but you know, we have to get this accomplished because the goal is to get here. That's the kind of planning I do. How often do you do that? Um, I would say at least twice a year. Okay. Yeah. And that's impressive because most entrepreneurs that we interview or that I've talked with don't do it that often. I do mine once a year. So yeah. twice a year, I'm really impressed. As a, as a financial planner, I, I applaud you on that. Thank you. That that's, uh, planning is important. Right. And I think a lot of times new entrepreneurs just into it, they have an idea um, and then they just sort of jump into it. And next thing you know, they're doing stuff that may not get to the goals they want because they didn't bother to plan it out. Right. I think one of the uh, moving parts of that is, again, I, I'm so service oriented. If I am going to come in and provide a service, I'm going to give you 100 percent of myself. So I have to do the planning around when I'm going to be doing those services so that I'm not over committing or under delivering. And so that does require planning. Well, we are almost out of time, but before we go, why don't you tell our audience exactly, uh, you know, how they get a hold. If they want to buy this, you mentioned Amazon, uh, they can just put in Dermaglove on Amazon and it'll come up. Yeah. Oh yeah. What other ways can they get a hold of you or your product? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. I would suggest going to our website at www.dermaglove.com. It's a great way to get more information. It's very informative. We've got a questions and answers section. We tell a lot about our technology. Um, I've got a bio on there, so it tells my story and kind of the story of the company. Um, it talks about our partners and the people that we're doing business with, um, and just really kind of how far we've come, where the product is and, uh, how the product has evolved. But I do want to tell you both Van and David, thank you so much for a great day. This was a really fun podcast for me and I just so enjoy, uh, that I was able to get my story out and I thought it went well. And I really love that you had me here today. Well, we want, we want to thank you for coming on and David, any parting words uh, here at the end of our show? I don't think so. It's fascinating. I'm very interested to hear how you developed from flipping houses into a very large um, skincare and personal health business. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Lisa, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. We appreciate it. David, thanks once again. Uh, I'll make sure to let your wife know that uh, we brought back uh, by popular demand. So uh, you've been listening to Between Two Chains and uh, check us out on the 1st and 15th of every month. We will be back with great entrepreneurs from the North DeKalb area. Thanks for listening. <laughs>